0: Welcome to the Crossroads Community Church Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope this message encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. Well, I think that one of the things I want you guys to really, really dive into today is one simple, I just got one question I want to answer. Why is it two people could experience the exact same thing in life, but end up in two totally different places in the same life? I don't know if you've ever experienced that. But how is it that two people could experience the exact same thing in life but end up in two totally different situations in life? That thing may have been a death. It may have been an addiction. It may have been a divorce. It may have been some sort of a relationship. It may have been some sort of a fight or or hardship. It may have been some sort of financial struggles. But we've all seen this, right? We've all met people, maybe they're siblings, and you sit there and you go wow these people grew up in the same house did the same stuff ran around with the same parents like but then you look at them as adults it's like like the, how like that what they all are not even like close to the same people how is it some people could go to work and they work in a job the same job that you work in but it's like you're doing the same exact thing but but they end up somewhere totally different and i want you to kind of start getting in your head two words that i think that we get extremely extremely confused about the first word and you're going to see it on the screen it's the word responsible I think for most of us we struggle in this life because we feel responsible you say Mickey I, I, I love the Lord I want to do what God's calling me to do but you don't know my life you don't know the decisions I've made You don't know some of the things I've went through. You don't know what it was like growing up. You don't know my past. And you know what I would respond to you with? That's an extremely fair statement. But I want you to know something today. I don't want you to confuse what you may feel responsible for with the second word. How are you going to respond? And I use the word, I kind of made up a word here, being responsible to the things that are in your life. See, I believe that what God is calling us to today is no matter what we feel or don't feel, whether we're responsible or not responsible, whether we had a part in it or didn't have a part in it, I do believe that the way that we are able to respond to things in our life, God is extremely, extremely consumed with. In fact, I'll take it one step further. I believe for most people, I had a friend of mine, his name's Tony Eubanks. He used to always make this statement. I got so intrigued. He played basketball down here at, at Temple University in Chattanooga and travels with FCA. And he'd say this comment over and over and over again. He said, Mickey, Christianity is not as much as the way you act, but the way you react. And can I ask you one simple question? If God is who He says He is, and Jesus does what He says He's done, and He is what He is to you, being Lord and Savior of your life, or maybe you're not quite yet, can I ask one simple question? How are you responding to it? I want us to focus less on what you feel responsible for, and I want to focus more on how are you responding to the gospel of Jesus Christ and who God is. In fact, I can do this better by sharing a story, and then we're going to dive into God's Word, okay? Okay. I want to share a story. Some of you may or may not know this gentleman, but his name is Joseph, Joseph Merrick. Joseph Merrick was an amazing guy that a lot of people have talked about and they've studied. He was born in England in August the 5th, 1862. Now, most of you guys have no idea who exactly Joseph Merrick is. If you're looking up on the screen, you'll see a picture of Joseph Merrick. Joseph Merrick, maybe you know him by this name. The Elephant Man. Joseph Merrick was discovered at a freak show in London. He was born a healthy boy to his parents. But he had a syndrome that came up that would cause different things to grow. If you looked at this picture closely, you'd see that his right side was a lot larger than his left side. And and he was a part of this this freak show. Now, please don't overthink. I'm not coming up with that word. That's what they called it, okay? Okay. But they called it a freak show. And at the freak show, he was known as the Elephant Man. And people would show up, and they would pay money to watch and go in and look at these different anomalies and try to figure out what in the world's going on. And he would go in, and people usually would react the same way that you kind of reacted when you first saw that picture. With kind of like a, what's going on there? Well, he had a disease that made growth and different things. In fact, his skeleton is still at the Royal London Hospital, on display. But here's a part of the story that I want you to know. One day at that freak show, Sir Frederick Trevis showed up. He happened to be a doctor. And he looked at this young man, and rather than being appalled, rather than trying to be consumed with him being a freak show, he simply gave him a card and said, Hey, I'm a doctor, and I would think I may be able to help you. Well, that didn't really mean a whole lot at that time, but a few weeks later... The police found this gentleman at the subway. He had been beaten up. He had been robbed. They found Merrick there. And the only thing that he had on him, the only thing that was left, was Dr. Travis's business card. So they called the doctor, and he came down, and he found him there, and he grabbed him. He took him to the London hospital in which he would live the rest of his life. And he started the process of loving him and nurturing him and helping to provide for him. But everything changed. See the first time he went to the hospital the lady not knowing the situation came in the nurse very innocent very sweet not knowing anything had the lunch had the tray comes into the hospital room sees Mr Merrick and gasps screams drops the tray and runs out and it made the doctor Dr Travis to think hmm I want to do an experiment and so he took a lady and he said here's the situation Mr. Merrick has a disease. He has a lot of deformities. And I want you to go in, and I want you to look him straight in the eyes. I want you to talk to him. I want you to smile at him. And I want you at the end to shake his hand and to walk out. Well, the doc had this idea, kind I do this social experiment with, doc, with this elephant man, with Mr. Merrick? But the response that he got was not what he was expecting. In fact, can I read for you verbatim? The response that Dr. Travis wrote in his observation, he said, The effect of poor Merrick was not quite what I'd expected. As he let go of her hand, he bent his head on his knees and sobbed until I thought he would never cease. He told me afterwards that this was the first woman who had ever smiled at him and the first woman in the whole of his life who had shaked his hand. Well, from that moment forward, everything began to change. You can read and study the story of the elephant man, Mr. Merrick. And you can read about how after this, these observations, and, and Dr. Travis starts taking him out to the countryside. He starts sneaking him in to the luxury box at the opera and for different plays. And he found him to be a very intelligent, loving, kind human being behind all of what you saw was somebody that was more than contagious in fact at his eulogy can i read for you what dr travis called him at his usual eulogy he said his troubles had ennobled him he showed himself to be gentle affectionate and a lovable creature without a grievance and without an unkind word for anyone I have never heard Mr. Merrick complain. You know, one of the things that he was known to say on a regular basis, if you were to read some of his journals, and it's very well documented, is this same Mr. Merrick, the elephant man, would say on a regular basis, I have the happiest days of anybody. You know what it made me think? How can somebody respond like that? Listen, I'm not here to debate. I'm trying to walk a very thin line between disabilities and abilities and deformities. I don't want to do anything to belittle what this man's amazing life. He lived to be 27 years old. But can we just be brutally honest? When I look at this picture, I don't think of somebody that's going to live their life and say my days are the happiest days ever. I don't look at somebody that says, "You know what? I'm going to live my life and never complain." But that's exactly what he did. Why? Because he knew something that a lot of us still don't know. You may not be responsible, but you are responsible able. Like, no matter what's going on in your life, the way that you respond in your life is extremely important, not just for you, but for many other people that's around you. Yeah, I think that's what Paul's talking about if if we turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Because here's a few facts that I want you to know. Here's the way I wrote it down in my notes. If you're taking notes, write these things down. Your explanations may not be important. But they will define your experiences. Your explanations may not be important, but they will define your experiences. And here's three facts that I know. Are you ready? Three facts. Number one every one of us in this room is fighting a battle that we don't understand. Can we be honest? This isn't a Debbie Downer, man. This is going to be an exciting message. I want to encourage you, but I want everybody in the room to understand you are normal. Every single one of us fight daily battles that we don't understand. Some of it may be depression. Some of it may be mental struggles. Some of it may be physical struggles, financial struggles, relational struggles. We all battle things every day. The second thing, if you have a, a Bible beside 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9, I want you to write the word testimony. Testimony. Was anybody able to write it without first writing the word test? You know, one of the amazing things about life is you can't have a testimony without a test. I don't care where you are. God has an amazing way of taking you to the place that he wants. And then here's the third thing, the most powerful thing that I want you to remember from today. I think it's okay to pray for God to change your circumstances. I think it's okay for you to pray for God to intervene in some of your lives. I do that. But can I please give you a major biblical truth? God is more consumed with changing you than your circumstance. God is more consumed with changing you than your actual circumstance. Why sometimes are we finding ourselves in situations that we sometimes ask why? Why is this happening? Why are these things taking place? Because God is consumed with you. Now, don't mishear me. I do not believe that God's up there saying, oh, man, I I need to get this guy. I mean, I'm going to really hit him hard. I'm going to throw some Job at him like I'm fixing to take everything from him. I don't believe that's how God works. But I do believe that as we're praying and we petition God for various situations in our life, at no point does God ever take something from you that would make you pursue Him less. You may tell you why sometimes you don't see some of the amazing, miraculous things in your life. It's because if you got rid of some of these things, Paul talked about a thorn in the flesh, then it'd probably make you walk away from God rather than running to Him. Here's what the scripture says, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, starting in verse 9. The question is how, right? How do we respond correctly? How do we become response-able? Well, listen to what Paul said. He's talking to the church at Corinth. I have fallen in love with these verses so much here recently over the last few months because of the theme that we're in, being four people. And it says this, starting in verse 9. As unknown and yet well-known, as dying and behold we live, As punished and yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing yet possessing everything, that absolutely fires me up. Because what it tells me is I don't have to ever let a situation or a circumstance define who I am. That God defines my circumstances. God can define my life. Like this aspect of who Jesus Christ is is more than just, oh, wow, then this amazing? We celebrate Easter. He died on a cross, this brutal death. He did it for me because he loved me. He rose on the third day so that I can have a relationship with him. Wow, isn't that great? Butterflies and rainbows. I don't have to go to hell. If that is your concept of who Christ is, that's a great starting point, but it's a terrible finish. Because God conquered in it all that. Why? So that you don't have to allow your circumstances to define you so that you don't have to be settled with what you're at or where you are, so that you can turn around and take whatever situation that's coming in your life, a.k.a. Mr. Merrick, and you can say, despite what's happening in my life, I still can do something more, and every day can be a great day. I can win every day. I don't have to ever leave a day feeling like I lost. But for some reason, for some reason, and I don't understand why, and I want to ask a simple question of if we can make a decision, a, a marker in the ground. But that is the biblical foundation where Christ is wanting to, like, like the whole, if I was to sum up God's word, it would be he created people in a garden totally free and have a relationship with him. Because of sin, we became captive. That led us out of the garden then his people became pa- captive by the Egypts. Again, he delivers them. And then he goes to a cross. Why? So again, we could leave captivity. But I don't understand why the people that have the keys to the handcuffs, the people that have the keys to freedom, the people that could go out and live life and have life more abundantly, like why do we not experience that on a regular basis? I'm going to give you one major reason. You don't know how to live free. The way that you respond in your life is what's holding you captive. You can't get past what you think you're responsible for to get to where you're responsible to live life like Christ wants you to live it. I'm not talking about some hokey pokey, you know, oh, I'm going to pray and God's going to give me Cadillacs and jets and I'm going to go down to the children's hospital and everybody's going to walk out of there. Don't mishear me. I believe if God wanted to do that, he could. You say, Mickey, you believe in miracles? Absolutely. But I'm going to go ahead and tell you, if God gave me the ability and an anointing to really heal people, St. Jude, here I come. Like, we're going to clear the whole building out. I still think there's trials. I still think there's struggles. In James, he says, consider it pure joy, my brethren, when you face various trials and struggles and temptations, because that's where you'll find the defining or the, or the, the beginning of your faith. But being somebody that struggles does not give you the right, listen to me, to make God struggle as well. You know, we focus so much on what we do wrong that we don't really think about what God does right. I think that's what this scripture is talking about. He said, no matter where you're, you may be poor, but by God, you can make many rich. You may be sorrowful, but yet you can still have joy. Like we have the ability through Christ. Now, Now, here's what's crazy. I know what a lot of you guys are thinking. I can look past your eyes and get into your soul, and you're looking at me with this same kind of a, like some of you are really engaged. Some of you got a blank stare because of one simple question. I've heard something like this before, but why is it not in my life? I'm out of here. And can I answer that question for you? It's because of the way you're choosing to respond. He gives them the answer here. Can I give it to you? Rather than hearing me talk, let's listen to what God's word says. This is Paul speaking to them. Now realize that this particular area, Corinth, was a a place that had a lot of of sexual sin, had a lot of different religion, had a lot, not Christianity, there was the aspect of Christ there, his death and crucifixion. Paul's went on a missionary journey, this is one of the places they stopped, but this is a place that's going to be really, really Greek influence and a lot of different pagan gods, and they're kind of opening themselves to everything. And the more they open themselves up to all the other things, they're losing sight of the real true thing. That's exactly what. Listen to what he says. Listen to what Paul says. He says, "And we have spoken freely to you, Corinthians. Our heart is wide open." Now, let me pause for a minute. You may tell you one of the greatest things that God did to expand His gospel is He took two people, put them in a place with people they totally disagree, and that they loved them anyway. You may tell you one of the issues in in today's church. I'm trying to be careful. I don't want to be dogmatic today because today's a celebration day because we're fixing to have a major baptism. But I promise, nobody's listening to you when you're screaming at them. Nobody's listening to them when you're dogging them. Nobody's. Li- can you speak the truth? Please, every single time. But can I give you a little bit of freedom today? Truth can fight for itself. You don't have to fight for truth. Just live it, love it, and love them with it. I go play golf with people. Hey, you want something to drink? Sure. What do you like? Well, I want one of them altars. Okay. You buy them an ultra? They're a 46-year-old grown man. What am I going to do? Fight them over it? Because I know about a few, five, six holes later, they're going to be like, well, what do you do, by the way, Mickey? Well, I'm a pastor. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, Like, dude, it's fine. It's okay. I always get tickled because I usually have the same response. If the day, oh, well, I'm a deacon down here. So-and-so. Oh, okay, good. Yeah. yeah. But I'm like, why do we like live in closets? Why at one time, this is the way we are. Oh, but over here, I'm like this. This isn't a message on drinking. You probably wouldn't like how I'd stand. I stand on the biblical truth of it. But it's one of those things that I want you to understand something. Listen to me. You may not be responsible, but you are response-able in your life. And the way that you are responding to your life speaks more than what you're saying you believe. You want me to believe in the God of your life? Then live like it's worth something in believing in. You think that you have the truth in God's Word? Then live like it matters in your life. Isn't it amazing that somebody? Listen, I'm not picking at you. I love you. I'm just I'll be honest with you. It's just too important for you know the truth. If you really believe that this is the answer to everything in your life, and that it's God's spoken word, and it has the power to change things, can I ask a very simple question? Then why is it the last thing you ever look at? I mean, is that weird? Like, if this really, truly is the key, like, man, the Bible is, like, it comes alive. It can give me the answers. It can lead me to a right relationship with the Lord. It can change my life, but yet we never look at it. We'll spend more time in a Sports Illustrated or a Golf Digest or a Vogue magazine or watching TV. Don't have a problem with any of that. I'm going to go ahead and tell you, from about 2 o'clock to about 7.30, if you need me, call me. I'll come. If you don't need me, I'm on the couch watching the Master's. Why? Because I like it. There's nothing wrong with it. But not to the detriment. If you're seeking perfect sense and you find it, seek no other sense. And then he gives them the answer. Not only do they love these people with hearts wide open, listen to what they say. You are not restricted by us. Isn't that an amazing thing? That, that's one of my sayings I say a lot of times. When I'm doing chaplain stuff on the football field and some kid drops the F-bomb, they're like, hey, quit, there's a chaplain, Mickey. I'm like, dude, don't worry, but You ain't restricted by me. Yeah, you, you be you. Or somebody's on a golf course, oh, I'm sorry, You don't be restricted by me. Why? Because listen to what he said. You're not restricted by us, but you are restricted by your own affections. Now, if you're like me, I want to know exactly what it's talking about. Affections is simply this. Here's the definition, three things. It's either a gentle feeling or some sort of a fondness or something that you like. You know what I've realized for most people? For most people, the biggest struggle that they have in their life is not that they don't love God. The problem is, is they love the other things too much. They want God to be one of many things. But I want you to understand something. Listen to me. Your affections are destroying you. You know what I've learned about each and every one of us, including me? Everything that matters to me, I make time for. And the things that I get enjoyment from, guess what? I make time for those things. The things that I love, I just joked around about you. Hey, that's a long time. That's like five and a half hours. What are you going to do after that? Confession of the not so rich and famous. Give you one of my, you know, there's two things I never talked to anybody about. One, I like eating fried chicken gizzards. That's embarrassing, right? The second is almost embarrassing. And I love professional wrestling. You know what I'm doing tonight? After the master's? I'm hoping to get some fried chicken gizzards and watch WrestleMania. (laughs) But you say, why? Why not? But you know what I'm not going to do? I'm not going to take my daughter's baptism day and family being in and rearrange everything that is important to go chase after stuff that's not. Because I can be response-able. It's okay that you have this affection for some things. But you just need to know that the things that you're loving is really what's killing you. Some of the things that you can't get away with. I'll give you a great example. I I get so tickled with this. I've literally verbatim told people this. And I wonder, that's the reason why I shouldn't be a pastor. Because I shouldn't say this. But I just do. I can't help it. But most people's issues, like if they didn't have drama, they wouldn't know what to do with their life. Like they know exactly what they need to do. They're like, but you don't understand, I've been dealing with this for 15 years. To get rid of this, what am I going to do? Like God could deliver me from this addiction. But if I didn't have this addiction, what am I going to talk about? What's going to be my thorn? What's going to be my crutch? What's going to be my excuse? And then he says this, you're restricted not by us, but you're restricted by your own affections. In return, widen your hearts. See, Paul tells them very ironically to follow their example and do exactly what he did. Widen your heart. You say, Mickey, that, that doesn't make a lot of sense. Like, like, I've always been taught in church that, you know, you've got you to get rid of everything, and God's got to be the number one thing. He will be. But first, can you just open up and experience Him? The same things that you put the most affection and love and, and fondness towards, what would it look like if you put that same affection and fondness towards Christ? I think sometimes we approach things and we immediately try to take people on a journey. We we try to make people leave from like, like, okay, hey, you know, I know you used to do all these things, but I want you to love Jesus. And boom, the next day, like you're just, whoop, like everything's done. You say, well, don't you know the story of Paul? Yeah, he was blinded and on his back and couldn't do anything for a few days. That's an option, I guess. But a better option is open my heart up. Yeah, can I go back to Joseph Merritt? There was one thing that he was said to have, quote, just about every single day. In fact, most people would refer to it as the Elephant Man's poem. His story is an amazing, in fact, you can go sometime today in between the Masters and WrestleMania and watch a movie that was put out in 1980 called The Elephant Man. It was nominated for many, many, many Oscars. It was one of Anthony Hopkins' first movies that he ever did. It's a phenomenal movie, but I will warn you, it's sad. You know why it's sad? Because it's real. But you know what? Will you put that picture of the elephant man up again, Mr. Merrick? Can I tell you what he said Every day. Are you ready? This is the poem. Here's the way he would be responding to his life. Tis true my form is something odd. But blaming me is blaming God. Could I create myself anew? I would not fail in pleasing you. See, Mr. Merrick's grandfather was a pastor. And his trials and circumstances started to hit. He was grounded in the faith and truth. Dr. Travis said he'd never seen a man that was more biblically and scripturally knowledgeable than Mr. Merrick. And when we look and see like all hell's breaking loose and how, you, how could you be happy every hour of the day? How could you never complain? Because he understood God probably better than we did. And I think that's where you and I sit. The reality is, is we can look at this picture and we see a man's deformity. But you and I can walk out of here and nobody knows our issues, do they? I don't know what you feel when you look in the mirror. I don't know what's in your head and what you struggle with. I don't know what's going on in your life. I I love having a relationship with you guys. I love having friendships. I love hanging out. But the reality is, is I totally get it. As soon as the pastor walks in the room, you kind of put your best foot forward most of the time. You know, it's one of those things, like, I get it, you, you try to, you know, I don't know exactly what's going on, I don't know where your marriage is, I don't know where your dating relationships are, I don't know what you feel or don't feel, I don't know any of those things, but I do know this. God's consumed with you. And he wants you to win the day. And maybe you need to quit worrying about all the things that you feel responsible for. And allow God to take on that responsibility. You say, Mickey, what are you talking about? You know that's why Jesus came, right? He said, I'll take care of their sins. I will take responsibility for what I'm not responsible for. So that they can live in a responsible life, though they should be responsible. If you're encouraged by today's podcast and would like to hear more messages, visit us at crossroadscommunitychurch.com.